0: talk about how I'm, like, really tired right now for some reason. I don't... I...
1: Complain about being tired, then I'll wake us up with an intro to the podcast. How does that sound?
0: <laughs> Gosh, I'm tired.
1: <laughs> Hello, Sour. everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, uh, airing March 13th. This is episode nine. I am blind, and I host this show, and uh, I'm here today with Sui how are you on this fine day
2: hello hello i have some hay fever so i woke up with like a really bad runny nose and uh like inside of my nose is kind of itchy oh
1: that's not good yeah it's the best excuse to pick your nose in public though
2: i'm just gonna get some nasal spray at the store after this so
1: that does seem wise uh jess is also here how are you jess
2: i was
0: really hoping that that would, uh, like, segue a little differently so I could say, Hi, Blind. Hi, Sui. I'm tired. Hi, tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good, though. I had a really productive morning, and I'm, like, kind of ready for an afternoon nap that I'm not <laughs> going to get. So,
1: <laughs> Well, you, you just get an afternoon podcast, which is almost the equivalent of a nap, right?
0: I guess it could be. Yeah, I mean, it's if it's... <laughs> if... <laughs> Sitting in a
1: chair, relaxing... If you're just
0: that boring, you know, it just might become a nap. I'm just kidding, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever, I've never napped during a podcast, but I've definitely like practically napped during recording before. Things. Now's the
2: time to yawn. I mean, not yawn, to snore real loud. Like you did that other one. That's not how you snore.
1: I don't don't think I, did I cut out all of the snoring? I thought I did.
2: did. I don't, I don't know. I didn't listen. I don't listen back to the ones that I'm in.
1: It's okay. Nobody listens to the podcasts that they're in. Okay. Or, or other podcasts that their friends are in for that.
2: <laughs> hey, I've been listening to all of them. Have you? Um, besides the one I'm in, yes. So, actually, so, so since
1: sin- since we have a uh, a live uh, listener then to the podcast, what do you think of the Halcyon <laughs> <laughs>
2: frequency? <laughs> I've been enjoying it. It's been very nice to listen to while uh, working on some trailer renovations.
1: W- would you uh, recommend it to a friend?
2: Yeah. Hey, Sue Boy. <laughs> Do <laughs> you need to listen to the Housey Frequency podcast?
1: Okay, <laughs> it's not a K. I was expecting it, nah, <laughs> but you know, it's what it is. Um, uh, yeah, yeah it, it's just it's just been very overcast and rainy here, which is kind of typical for the time of year. Combine that with just like general stresses from the outside world. I'm just I've just been a very much a, a kind of a ball of like I want to like strap powerful jets to my ankles and fly into space right about now
2: <laughs> it's like let like, rain
1: What's rain um so it's when uh moisture which you probably also have never heard of um mm, evaporates yeah. due to heat which you definitely have heard of goes up into the sky yeah. and becomes those fluffy white things up there that we call clouds unfortunately uh, i don't be- see
2: any Fluffy white things, it's all just blue. Yes, because
1: you need moisture in the ground to evaporate before you can get clouds. Um, Unfortunately, due to uh, climate change, fluffy white clouds are going to be gone in a couple of years, so keep an eye on them while you can because they're beautiful. Anyway, uh, fluffy white clouds then go up into the sky and those get attracted to mountains and then uh, that Makes them heavy and they get even more condensation and then eventually they go dark and then they rain, where the water from the condensation going up into the cloud then <laughs> rains down onto the people below and we run around outside and go, Yay, rain, because it's what actually, you know, keeps the planet alive.
2: Yeah. I mean, whenever we get rain, we get a massive puddle right next to our door to get out of the trailer.
1: Unless you're on the planet Mercury and then it's just raining metal. Uh, ow. Which is kind of awesome think
2: about yeah it. but ow
1: <laughs> could, you, could you imagine a planet just raining molten metal i'm good i mean me too i don't i know i don't need to go there i i just i just want to see what it looks like
2: and make a cool video game i'm hmm Like some kind of survival game where whenever it's about to rain, you have to panic and run towards shelter.
1: You know, that just went from real cool to just like, oh, it's another video game mechanic. Never mind. (laughs)
2: In in
0: my mind, that just went to like something completely different because recently I watched a video on like. (laughs) <laughs> what to do if a nuclear bomb were to fall. Weird. And that's, that's Why would we lo- be
1: watching that right now? <laughs> <Go on.
0: laughs> well, you know, it was unrelated, but then YouTube suggested it to me and I was like, you know, I am curious to know what you should do if that were to happen. So anyways, um,
2: You hope you're not in the fallout zone. That's what you do.
0: Well, there's, there's kind of like a few things. I'm not going to go into it, but after the um, bomb goes off, it hits the ground it shoots up a bunch of radioactive dirt and debris which comes down as uh, like toxic rain basically and so like after a nuclear explosion supposedly within like immediately after the 45 minutes you need to be inside or else you're going to get poisoning from the uh, poison rain so that's what that made me think of
2: Uh, probably in a shelter too not even like in a house oh yep they're supposed to be underground with as many layers of steel not
0: steel uh concrete or bricks and just all the layers possible wood and plaster and stuff are not very effective
1: i think this is a perfectly good opportunity for me to say uh toxic rain some stay dry and others feel the pain toxic rain (laughs) a baby born to die before the sin, toxic rain. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not gonna sing all of chocolate rain right now, but uh, for, for me, literally, it's just like grab my computer and run down to the underground parking lot, stay there. Well, that and medical stuff. That's what I do in case of toxic, or in case of nuclear bomb.
0: Yeah, you know, I really don't know how that video came up, but it was one of those things where like, YouTube knows me so well that I was like, I must click on the video.
1: I can tell you a few <laughs> reasons about why that video probably came up based on current yeah, things in the world. <laughs> um, yes, but, but I can't it, remember
0: it, what I was watching, I mean.
1: If, it, if it's the video that I'm thinking of, like that video went from like a million views to like 15 million views in a few days. <laughs>
0: so, if yeah, it's it was the probably pushed of, to me for that reason exactly.
1: Yeah, it was probably just mm. trending. And uh, that's kind of how YouTube pushes like random stuff to you like that. It's like if it's trending, if like a lot of people are watching it at the time, then it just kind of like rockets up to the front and... Then... It's displayed to everybody, and then they're all watching it already, so then everybody else watches it.
0: Yeah. YouTube is actually kind of a dangerous place for me. I don't actually watch a lot of gaming videos, but I do watch a lot of just random stuff, and I just get curious. Like, yes, I do want to know this, and
2: this too, and this too. Dude. Or, like, I really like looking at, like, stories of horrible things people have gone through and just be like, jeez, the world's awful, you know? <laughs> I also really like travel and then uh, like DIY stuff. Oh yeah, me too.
1: Can I just like throw out like the shocking difference between what Sui just said? It's just like, I really like just looking at how other people's lives are awful and then I just gawk at it. But I also like, you know, uh, like homie DIY stuff. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what? Uh, I don't know. Uh, What do you watch on YouTube?
0: (laughs) Hmm. I I watch a lot of art videos. I watch DIY stuff. Let me like, wait, I don't have my YouTube open on this. I I watch a
1: bunch of dudes in their forties collect, who collect records, talk about records. Those are great videos.
0: I like to watch a lot of stuff um, being made. Like, so not like how it's made, but people making armor and stuff and cosplay and all this sorts of stuff i also really like to watch videos like why does it work this way like last night i watched a video on how braces work yes i literally watched an orthodontist like a 10 minute video intended for i assume educational purposes like fix braces on fake teeth
1: i i really like a youtube channel called uh uh, Low Pop and another one called Starsty Car that just do very, very, very detailed overviews and demos of synthesizers like the driest like no content entertainment whatsoever like just this dial does this and it makes this sound combined with this you turn this and it makes this sound you combine that into this and then it makes this sound and then we have this feature over here where these dials add this filter onto this and it's like they're like 55 to, to like two hour long videos of just very granularly going through very fancy and expensive synthesizers Love those videos. Fantastic. Watch them all day. I'm
2: opening my window, so there might be squeaking.
1: I mean, the world's not going to end if there's squeaking.
2: Says you. I
1: I have a feeling I probably watch more gaming stuff than either of you. I don't know why.
2: I don't actually watch gaming stuff at all. Like I used to a little bit, a tiny bit. And I just don't anymore, because to me, that's work, you know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I don't know.
1: It's it's my life for me.
2: I used to watch it a lot more when I had a normie
0: job. But now that I, like, I just do it all the time, I just watch the most random stuff. And then I keep getting clickbaited, And then the, I just get more weird stuff pushed to me. And then I'm like, yes, I'm curious. <laughs> I must know I the that. answer to this. <laughs> I feel that.
1: I really like watching gardening videos. That's a Mm. non-gaming thing that I watch. I follow a couple of uh, YouTube channels um, that either do like homesteading stuff or um, just plain gardening stuff, um, which are fun. I really, really enjoy those.
0: I bet I would like that too. Uh,
1: A a good one that I recommend is just called Home Gardens. It's just like this British guy who has long hair and a beard and a, a day job. And he's just like, this is what I'm doing in my backyard. And these are all the plants that you can plant at this time of year that'll grow anywhere and stuff like that. It's good, um, good stuff
2: gardening stuff is kind of ruined to me honestly because my dad was too big on gardening when i was growing up so it was like i was just overwhelmed to buy it
1: that's a damn shame
2: same with flowers my dad is a competitive flower uh shower
1: okay well that that, that makes sense you f- screw flowers like n- n- no, no no reason to grow flowers pointless Pointless, waste of time.
2: Yeah, uh, edible I mean they're Set pretty, but like I'm just so sick of them.
1: Yeah, but you, there, there's there's like okay, green onions as an example, great for pollinators, great for pollinators. Bees love them, and you get but an they, onion they out they of flower, it. Flower though. Yes, but that's not planting flowers. That's planting an onion. You're getting an onion out of that. Also, the flowers are edible. You can eat the hmm. flowers.
0: You know, I really want to like go pick dandelions and eat dandelions because. Apparently they're pretty good.
1: Uh, dandelion leaves, yes. The flowers, not so much. Dandelion leaves, you can pick the leaves and you can boil them. Um, also blackberries, if there's blackberries where you're at, you can pick the blackberry leaves and dry them and make them into tea. Um, yeah, you
2: just gotta be really careful to make sure that people aren't spraying there because why you people wash will. them.
1: That's why you wash them. You you, you put them into a, a, a washer and you wash them. You wash. Oh everything. yeah, just
2: put in your dishwasher. No. <laughs>
1: Ah. <laughs> another youtube channel i love watching but i won't uh, force either of you to watch it is i love channel five with andrew callahan it's like the greatest just like slow dive into calamity of america in slow motion
2: mm. i live i've been that. watching a lot of like drama videos in uh bad. different parts of the content creator <laughs> industry bad do not so, like approve. not and it's so entertaining (laughs) hearing all the horrible stuff that family channels do man
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, can't handle
0: Yeah, I actually spend a lot of time watching videos put out by psychiatrists and psychologists because I kind of find that stuff interesting so
1: you mean like healthy gamer GG type stuff or like more general? no
0: like literal just psychologists and and psychiatrists who have a youtube channel and like to talk about just general mental health stuff and they just put out short videos on either topics or well i guess every video is a topic (laughs) but they put out short videos either on like a condition or like phenomenon that people go through and so i like that stuff too i really watch a
2: lot it's very i have an eclectic Mm -hmm. mix (laughs) i do too Honestly, I think everyone probably does.
1: Yeah, I I feel like, because, like, the things that I'm not mentioning are, like, the two dozen, like, gaming channels I watch on a frequent basis. It's, like, I really like Noclip video. Um, They put out a documentary once every two months about video games, and it's, like, usually, like, an hour-long feature film. Um, I love Mandalore. I think he does great work. Um, I watch Jesse Cox. His five-minute gaming news, actually, for Jesse Cox has been really, really good as of late. Oddly enough, um, true
2: crime. <laughs> Sorry, I,
1: I listen to true crime podcasts. I don't watch true true crime on YouTube,
2: dude. It's so great on YouTube. Honestly, like some of the things. Why do I like listening about all the horrible stuff people do in general? Like that's just something that I just sit there and it's just a guilty pleasure.
1: I just, I I don't, I I don't know. True true crime I watch on Netflix in documentary format, and I I listen to in podcast format. I don't watch it on YouTube.
0: I don't even know what this is.
1: True crime?
2: Yeah.
1: It's true crimes.
2: So crime, like... Crimes that happened. (laughs) Yeah. So it's
1: usually like this person uh, went nuts and got beat by their parents a lot as a child and then went and killed 15 people.
2: So, okay,
1: it's a a
0: genre. It's not... (laughs) I thought this was like a channel or something.
1: No, true, true no. crime is like a genre. Okay. Yep. Uh, true true crime novels I are understand. what they started off at. So a, tr- a true crime novel would be like a the true story of what this criminal did. That's that's true crime. Oh, uh, Gordon Ramsay's YouTube channel great. Hmm.
0: Oh right, I forgot about all the baking and cooking stuff <laughs> I like to watch.
1: I. Another genre of YouTube video that I'm a big fan of is uh, live concert performances. I follow a bunch of radio stations that film concert performances. Hmm. Those are fun. But um, how did we get
0: here? I don't know. Oh, because I was talking about the toxic rain.
1: Oh, right. Right.
2: What? I yes. still don't know how we got here. Uh,
1: nuclear bombs. <laughs> Is oh, how we got right.
2: Here. <laughs> Wait, uh, no, because we mentioned YouTube before
0: no, that. I mentioned that because I said that I came across a video on what to do if a nuclear bomb went off. Okay. Because but where does that come from? Because you were talking about a game with
2: Metal Rain. A game design. Oh, right, right. Or... Concept, I, I, mean, I, I, I mentioned
1: that if you're on, we, I was I talked about rain, so we asked what rain was, <laughs> I explained my probably very scientifically inaccurate definition of rain, and then mentioned, unless you're on Mercury, where it rains metal, and then Sui so said that sounds like a video game, and my brain immediately went to the video game xo one where you're like a little marble flying around and in inter- uh, like space in space, basically on weird planets. And I'm thinking, and I'm like imagining like this cool sequence of like lava f- and like um, molten metal falling from the sky, and then Sui's just like, "Yeah, you go out and you craft, and then you go inside and hide when there's a storm." And I'm like, "That is the least interesting way you could use that mechanic." And now I'm really <laughs> sad. That's how how we got here. Unless you're playing Dwarf Fortress, in which case, then it just rains vomit sometimes. Hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, I think this. Did I much... do that in Rimworld too? Sometimes I think that's a mod.
1: Probably this is just Dwarf Fortress, or some. It can also rain blood um, if you're in a particularly Ooh. evil place. Yeah. Um. Although sometimes uh, people freak out and think it's raining blood, but actually just the leaves are falling out of the trees. Totally normal mistake to make. Looks very simple. Yep.
0: hmm I know when the trees fall, up, the trees fall off, when the leaves fall <laughs> off the trees. That I definitely get confused whether or not it's raining blood, IRL, yeah. or if they're just leaves. So I get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you take, if I take my glasses off, I really can't tell the difference. It's like, red stuff is falling from the sky! Oh, God!
2: I mean, we don't really have much in terms of leaves here, but...
1: You really don't have much in terms of much there. We
2: have palm trees.
1: Okay, then it's just caution and beware of falling coconuts, and those are pretty dangerous. So, you know, I'll give you
2: that. There aren't actually coconuts growing on, like, any of them.
1: Then they are really, 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 really bad excuses for palm trees. Get better palm trees.
2: Hey, Sue boy, have you ever seen coconuts grow on any of the palm trees around not here? Coconut tree, palm trees. Yeah, they're not coconut palm trees. They're just palm tree palm trees.
1: Well, then you should get better palm trees.
2: What's I don't think we can tree? grow the coconut ones here because we don't have enough water. Then how am I going to put a lime in the coconut and drink it all up? I don't know. But the thing is, is coconuts grow in tropical climates and we are in a desert.
1: In a desert? Yes. Is that right next to an excerpt? Yep. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> I I, so, I think it's time. Well, Go on. You said so. <laughs> I, I was going to take us to a the break, conversation D- 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 and you were wanna... probably
0: going to say that we need to move on, right?
1: I was going to send us to a break, but what, did did you have something you wanted to say?
0: Yeah, I was going to be like, so if we're talking about like scientifically inaccurate definitions, are you in a desert or in an arid shrubland? <laughs>
2: uh, I would say it's more of an arid shrubland than a desert. Or an arid desert. Wait, what's the difference? Hold on.
0: There's... <laughs> Never mind. All right.
1: All right. On that lovely anecdote, I think it's time for us to go to a quick break here, and then when we come back...
0: I'll tell you the difference between a desert and an arid shrubland.
1: To be continued. We'll see you after the break. <laughs> so instead of a advertisement for another stream, you get me saying editor's note here. Uh, I apologize for the audio quality of the remainder of this podcast. Uh, Sui's air conditioning um, needed to be on due to it being very hot because she lives in a desert. And during this period of time, you can very audibly hear the air conditioning in the background. I've done my best to edit around it, but there's no way for me to edit around a literal jet engine behind her head. So it kind of is what it is. I apologize. Hopefully it's okay for the listening purposes. We'll try and do better in the next one. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this Air Halcyon Frequency podcast for March 13th, 2022. Uh, I'm blind, and I'm hosting, and I'm here with Suey and Jess. And Jess is about to give us a small class on deserts and arid shrublands. Jess?
0: Okay. Well, I did a very, very, very small amount of research and have determined that they are kind of the same thing because a semi-arid desert is not the same. Wait. Well basically a semi arid shrubland is a type of desert, so dot dot dot. <laughs> From my research. But there's five different types of deserts. Major Whoa, types of deserts. Oh, what are they? Five major types. Hold on, wait. I don't know. I have like From five. From my knowledge of open. dwarf
1: fortress, there is black sand deserts, white sand deserts, red sand deserts deserts and arid shrublands in Dwarf fortress anyway which is absolutely an accurate representation of real life right right (laughs) i don't know i haven't been outside in a while okay and we're we're supposed to talk about video games in this section of the podcast so i'm trying here but well
0: okay well well, i'll say i was wrong it's four categories of desert hot and dry semi-arid coastal and cold according to national geographic but according to another source which is, uh, I don't know, (laughs) I'm too far down in the webpage. There's a subtropical (laughs) desert, a mid-latitude desert, a polar desert, a coastal desert, an interior desert, a rain shadow desert, a monsoon desert,
1: that does not sound like a desert. The last no. one the last then one seems like the opposite of a desert, actually.
0: Then there's hot and dry deserts and semi arid deserts and temperate deserts and cold deserts. And then there's paleo deserts and extraterrestrial deserts. Hey, that's a game segue topic. There you go. <laughs> Extra terrestrial
1: <laughs> deserts? Are those deserts on other planets? Yes. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Naturally. Right? This makes sense. So wait, is the is the moon a desert?
0: I don't
1: know. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. I need to look this up. What
0: biome is
1: the moon? <laughs> is the moon a desert? Is the moon a desert? Uh, The moon is like a desert with plains, mountains, and valleys. It also has many craters, in which are holes created by space objects. TLDR, yes, but no. It's like a desert, but it's not a desert.
2: So uh, what sort of biome is Elden Ring in? All of them. Yeah, why doesn't Jess tell us about that?
1: Yeah, Jess, do you want to talk about Elden Ring?
0: I actually saw a spoiler that I don't know how true it is, but I saw a spoiler on Twitter about where Elden Ring occurs. I Like, where it's supposed to be, IRL, which I'm not so going to say. A... Oh, in case I've spoiler. seen that, too.
2: I've heard it, too. Hmm.
1: Can you... But hmm. I Now I want to know what this spoiler is of somebody who's never going to play Elden Ring, but... <laughs> Maybe we'll save it for after the pod recording or after the game's been out for a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, so so so, uh, have you been playing Elden Ring or just watching people play Elden Ring?
0: I have been kind of playing Elden Ring, Elden right. Ring, kind of well, just mushed that all together. Bellinair um, was on
1: the pod last week and just gushing over how wonderful it is. So
0: with, yeah, a, with I, a few
1: minor complaints, but like generally just talking about how much he loves it.
0: <laughs> I can understand why. It's uh, really good. So basically what's happening is Celentre has basically taken over my computer and logged into Steam, bought Elden Ring, and now in the evenings has been basically taking a monitor and (laughs) taking it to the living room. Uh, Hold on. With an HDMI cable. (laughs) To the living room. And it's just playing Elden Ring all night, every single night. And so I've just been... Basically couch surfing, slash shoulder surfing, slash backseat gaming, watching him play. Occasionally I play. Yesterday I beat a lobster, and I also like to write messages on the floor for everybody else to read.
2: (laughs) The only thing I know is you better not hurt the doggos or I'll be upset. The doggos?
1: I've been watching- Do you guys not
2: know what that means?
1: I I mean, I, I know what it means. I don't know what it means in the context of Elden Ring.
2: Oh, it, it's it's a meme, apparently, wow. where uh, they call the tortoises that are completely friendly. They won't hurt you or anything. Oh, they yeah. They call them doggos. Okay. And they're adorable. And tortoises are my favorite animal. They are so... really cute.
0: Yeah, I don't let Cylindra kill them.
1: I uh, but... have been watching this stream uh, by, by that uh, an old YouTuber who I've been watching for years named Crendor has been uh, doing where he's been trying to not kill anything. So he's actually so far done a completely non-violent playthrough. The only thing he wants to kill is the last boss in the game. And it's been very entertaining just watching him run away from stuff <laughs> forever. And just letting like environmental things kill enemies and picking up their souls to level up. Um, but
0: how, okay, I was going to say, how do you level up then?
1: By letting the environment kill stuff. And kiting I stuff. See. <laughs> and running around things. <laughs>
2: Well, I know in Dark Souls 3, there was, like, this big black thing that was, like, a suit of armor, I think, that would go and attack other stuff.
1: Yeah, there is there's, there's there is ways of, like, having other things to kill things for you, but
2: yep, I, yep.
0: I know I almost definitely nothing had about a, this game, so. A knight, so basically in this playthrough that, like, both me and Slytherin are kind of taking turns playing and playing together. We're um, a glass cannon mage. So anytime there's like a big melee boss, it's just like insta-death. So there's this one section in the game where you can't move forward without, without killing this knight. But before the knight is a trap where a big ball basically falls and rolls down a ramp. And so we just kited this knight onto the ramp to get crushed by the ball. And it was hilarious. I've that's heard about great. this
1: ball from a few different places. It's funny. I've heard about the ball. I've heard about this lobster. Um,
0: the lobsters are so mean, and I beat one, and I was proud. Did they look delicious? Have you
2: fought the monsters yet, Boy? Which one? The lobsters. Oh, yeah. Okay. Are they means? Are they mean? He shrugged.
1: <laughs> yeah, I. but that, that, that's just... It for for me, the process of these games coming out is always really fun because this the style of games that FromSoft makes isn't the style of games that are popular right now. It's like this game that came out right next to uh, Horizon is kind of fascinating to look at because you look at Horizon and it's like, here's a billion things on your map. Everything is very directed. You can play the game just looking at the mini-map and the is constantly explaining to you whether or not you can fight an enemy. Like, you look at an enemy and Aloy in that game will literally just, like, state whether or not she's capable of fighting it. Oh, I, I can't fight this now. We should come back here later and all of that stuff. Whereas just, FromSoft is just completely out the window with all that stuff and it's all the way back to, like, 1990s game design of just, like, you're a smart person, you can figure it out. And I feel like in another world where these games had a different camera or my eyes were better, I would be play playing nothing else because I watch people play this game and I go, I would love this. But then I I remember just how those games control and I've, I've played Dark Souls um, and I know how that camera plays and I hate it. <laughs> it makes me yeah. feel ill. Um, what the just the the way the camera like jerks around and like gets stuck on the environment and stuff because the camera is like a physical object in the world in these games right, um and just watching the way the camera plays and the way you have to like maneuver around stuff it's just I I just don't want to play that and it makes me real sad that there isn't like a game that is designed like this that's like f- either first person or like a top or down kind of isometric thing like there's there's a few kind of close ish things but they 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 never quite make it that far um which leads me to be like you know excited for the future and i hope that this game inspires other creators to make stuff like this that like doesn't baby the player and doesn't um pull any punches you know and i i it, it it makes me think of a more old school game design which i'm very fond of um that you know it's up to you to figure it out, and I'm, I'm looking forward to see what kind of games come out of, um, you know, Elden Ring selling super well. Like, this game has—it's out, it's outsold Cyberpunk when Cyberpunk launched, and it is one of the fastest-selling games in of the last five, six years. And Dar- the Dark Souls franchise, or like the FromSoft games, have been kind of on a decline as of late. Um, Sekiro— uh, tradition like underperforming compared to their previous games. Same with Bloodborne, but Bloodborne admittedly was, um, a-, a console exclusive and also didn't have the greatest launch. So Bloodborne underperformed compared to their previous titles, um, Sekiro uh, underperformed compared to their previous titles even though they 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 did very well uh but they still underperformed and um, then the demons souls remake that came out on uh, the new PlayStation platforms also undersold granted nobody could buy that PlayStation so i guess that probably says something to do with it and so for 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 me it i'm really excited to see this game do super well and have at the very least like a playable PC port um even though it's got some problems but at, and some usability issues i i i'm really excited to see what this inspires in the AAA space going forward? I think this is probably one of the most <laughs> important releases in maybe the last decade.
0: Uh, I was laughing because this whole time I was struggling with the how how do I um, how do I interrupt? Go. <laughs> how do I interject?
1: <laughs> I finished my speech. That that was my thing prepped for Elden Ring this week.
0: <laughs> I uh, w- wanted to talk about what you talked about at the very beginning of the speech which was um, the world design with Elden Ring. I, I was actually talking about this with Celentre last night, how I'm just loving it. Like I haven't sat down and wanted to take an open world game and explore every corner of it in such a long time, like since maybe Dragon Age. And even that one was super linear and stuff. So like it's, like oh. Dragon
1: Age 1? Origins?
0: Yeah, I I feel like that was open world-ish, right? It was open, yeah. So, like, I just haven't wanted to... Any game that's open world, if I see open world, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Because I'm just so tired of the... Sorry, I sneezed. I'm so tired of the... Here's a quest, go here, meet this person, get the thing, run back go here do this. Oh, you can't attack that yet. Like exactly what you mentioned. But with this one first off the world is feels very organic and you get rewarded for exploring and like if you if you can't do it you'll find out and it's just like the adventure is in the exploration which is very different from Dark Souls where it was all super linear and like there was some branching that you could do but I just think that they did such a good job of taking the experience of Dark Souls and just moving it into an open world and not having it feel like an open world map grind.
2: It's really pretty, too. I've seen like a little bit of it here and there. And the world has a great sense of scale and making everything look massive.
0: Yeah, it's just it's so well done. I'm I'm very impressed. And I every night I'm like, OK, it's Elden Ring time. <laughs> Turn off my computer now so we can play Elden Ring. Well, I mean, like, I have to stop working now so we can play Elden Ring together.
1: (laughs) I mean, that seems like a good way to do things. Yeah, I... uh, uh, Apologies for that huge speech there, but, like, the the thing that, like, I'm, I'm just the most passionate about in games is I just... I I And this goes for AAA games especially. I can't stand games that are just like, all right, seven hours in, and you're still getting tutorials. I... I, I can't handle that. I hate that. And it's it's the reason I don't play the majority of AAA games or even big budget releases because they're either A, super handholdly, or B, are just like A, treating me like I'm in some sort of idiot. <laughs> and I, I will never enjoy that. Um, one of the games that I've gotten some of the most enjoyment out of in the past like d- decade, I guess, is Caves of Cud, which hearing people talk about Elden Ring is exactly how I feel about Caves of Cud. Granted, Caves of Cut is like a uh, an practically ASCII like <laughs> uh roguelike um but it's the the way I hear people talking about discovery and finding things and learning about weird things in um and finding new bosses and like people realizing how big Elden Ring is it just reminds me of Caves of Cut every single time
0: Oh yeah I mean when when you first load up the game so it had, the map is just like into like Grid sections, from what I can tell, like I don't know how many, how big it is in total because we haven't finished exploring. But like when we first opened up the game, it was just one, just the map, and we're like, okay, I mean, this is a game, all right, it's not huge. But then as you continue to explore it, like begins to uncover more map for you, and then adds it to it and scales the map that you've already discovered down. And so as you continue to move throughout the world, your map just grows increasingly bigger and bigger. And what I really liked about that was as a player coming in who had no idea what to expect, like I had knowledge of the world that I knew and I don't know what's beyond the borders of the world that I know. And then you figure it out and then it gets added to your map and your world grows just like, you know, in a real experience, your understanding of the world will continue to grow. And it's just so well done. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good.
1: Yeah, that, I that, actually forget that, what I
0: was originally talking about there. Uh,
1: world scale exploring open worlds. Uh, what am I missing? Getting completely obliterated by giant lobsters. I mean...
2: <laughs> hey, Blind, how does the world work in Odd Realm?
1: In, in Odd Realm?
2: <laughs> yeah. I, can, I know is, you've been is playing that. that. Is,
1: is that a segue? Is that a we've been talking about Elden Ring too long?
2: <laughs> no, I'm not zoning out.
1: I mean... All right. I, I mean, I could talk about Odd Realm now if, if, if you want. I was going to move to Soul Ash first because that's maybe a little bit more of an analog to this, but um, Odd Realm just got a very large patch. Um, I can talk about this in about five minutes. Uh, Odd Realm just got a very, 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 very large patch. Odd Realm is a game that is inspired by Dwarf Fortress, but the way that I describe Odd Realm to people who haven't played it or Dwarf Fortress is... You, you've both heard of Minecraft, right?
0: No. What's Minecraft?
1: All right. Well, so you've both heard of Minecraft, <laughs> um, little indie game made by a twit who then sold it to Microsoft um, and uh, very, very popular indie game, very popular survival crafty game. Now, there's a game like it that tends to get a lot of comparisons to it, even though they're very, 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 very different games um, called Terraria. Have you heard of Terraria? Another little indie game? Okay. Well, one maybe. Well, that, that that's that, that's an, improve, an an improvement here. So like uh this if if Dwarf Fortress was Minecraft in this discussion, uh Terraria would be Odd Realm. Um so Odd Realm is a top-down base builder simulator town builder thingy. Uh, where you can have up to 100 little meeples I call them meeples, I don't actually know what they're called um, but they're, there's two different playable races in the game currently, there's humans and then these weird void monster thingies uh, the humans are pretty standard humans, you know, you fish you farm, you you mine, you, you build an army, you get attacked by bandits, you defend you do all that stuff um, the void monster guys are these little scully boys who can't breed because, well they're skeletons, um, so instead of like making bedrooms for them and making multiple skeletons like you would with humans, um, you you dig down and you find magic crystals and then you synthesize those crystals into demons and then those demons go about and do their do, do your bidding for you and are way stronger than the than the actual like skeleton boys because they're quite delicate because you know they're just skeletons so they just fall apart um so the way you get more skeletons is by digging down and finding these little tombs which have skeletons in them if you're the humans and you find the tombs then they attack you and you fight with them but if you're the the demon boys then then you find the skeletons they're like yay friends and then they join you this um, sounds
2: really
0: different than the Odd Realm
2: that I've played. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, didn't I? Wasn't that the game that I played for like an hour and then you just got mad at me because I didn't want to read the tutorials?
1: No, that was um, Ruin Arch.
2: Oh, okay.
1: No, no, very, very different games. Um, but no, I mean, it's obtuse. It's, 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 it's twicky. It's got a full tutorial though. Um, like it explains that what every piece of UI does, it's up to you to actually like read it and like understand it. Um, otherwise you'll spend hours not being able to do anything. Um, but it's got Z levels just like Dwarf Fortress. Um, but this, this most, which is one of the reasons why it's kind of complicated for some people who like haven't played a game like that. Um, but this most recent update adds a ton of stuff. Uh, he redid his entire map generation. Uh, the world map is now persistent, so it's now an infinitely better game than uh, other games that claim to be like Dwarf Fortress because you can settle somewhere in the world and then abandon that settlement and let the AI take over and move somewhere else in the world and the world maintains and stays persistent so you can build like a believable, interesting living world. Um, it's one of the only games in this genre that I've ever played that lets you just settle in the middle of the ocean if you want to. Um, and it just gives you a raft and flotsam and jet- some floats by occasionally and you can like grab materials to build out your raft which is kind of neat um uh there's now swimming uh all of all of the physics has been redone there's a ton of weapons the AI has been completely redone he redid most of the UI the vast majority of the UI in the game is new um, the progression system now is interesting instead of having like a research table uh, like uh, other games have in in, in this kind of uh, world um, as your little peoples are doing things they will uh, get ideas and then write them down in books so they'll just like these little books will just appear on the ground and you can put them in a stockpile in a library or you can spend those books these tom- Tomes, depending on what they're written about on your tech tree. So uh, you'll get like domes of in- tomes of industry written. And once you have six tomes of industry, you can then spend those tomes of industry on uh, unlocking a new room type or like uh, let's just say a clother or um, some- something of that sort. Um, and uh, when when uh, uh, the-, the traders show up, you can actually sell those tomes of industry to them um, or say it's like a, a tome of far- an agriculture, which is farming um, and Food stuffs. Uh, you could get uh, a Tome of Crafting. Uh, Tomes of Arcana for magic stuff. Um, so so there's all that. Also, all of the combat was redone. Um, there's now, like, instead of just three weapon types, there's more than I can count, and I haven't seen all of the weapons yet. There's a lot of weapons in there. Uh, redid how tools worked. Redid how all of the inventory stuff works. It's just basically a whole game overhaul. It's like playing a new game. So, uh, very, very good patch for Odd Realm if you're willing to put in time and learn an interesting game with quite a bit of depth. Also, it's yeah. like eight bucks.
0: The last time I played this was August 20th, 2020. Mm -hmm. And what you just described sounds like drastically different than the game that I played. (laughs) When I played, it was just... um, It was a colony builder and a colony management game. And it had Z-levels and you could do all these things and build your walls. And I can't remember if there were raiders then too. I think there were, but that was basically it. Like Mm -hmm. just establishing a colony, and, like, none of this other stuff you're talking about existed. So, apparently, I mean, a lot of it is did. going well.
1: <laughs> like, the, the weird guys deep underground that talk to you and give you quests existed.
0: I don't know if I may ever made it that far underground. But...
1: You just have to, like, with games like this, you have to put in effort to enjoy them. If you just wait for uh, things oh, no, to happen, I nothing's going to happen.
0: I, uh, I did enjoy my time with it. I just, I don't know why I didn't go back to it, actually.
1: Well, fair enough then. I, I, I don't know. It You kind of gave off the vibe of like being bored or something. I, I, I don't know.
0: No, but, I just, um, it was early access, you know, it had its features and then I explored what I was interested in exploring and was like, yeah, this is cool. I thought that it had a good foundation and it's better than a lot of colony management games I've played, uh-huh. even I mean, in 2020 the, for its the way- development.
1: The way I've always talked about Odd Realm is, it's it's not a game that you're gonna sit down and play for 500 hours. It's a game that you'll sit down and play for 15 hours and really enjoy, if you like this type of game. If you put the time into like learn the mechanics and what you need to do, um, it is it's it's a very enjoyable little game um, here and there. And as things get added and as the other races get worked on and as the game improves, it's just it's just going to get wider and deeper and i it's been fun to watch the development of it but that's basically all i really have to say about odd realm um unless jess wants to talk about it some more i don't know but i um, I,
0: I, I haven't played since 2020 so
1: <laughs> i would recommend trying it again if if you're if you enjoyed your previous time with it now's a good time to try it again uh sui do you want to tell us about having a nice death
2: yeah uh so On Wednesday, the most recent Wednesday, for us, I mean, it will be for the recording, too, Uh, I had a sponsored Steam stream for Have a Nice Death, which is a, I want to call it a roguelike, but I feel like one might get mad at me. I will set you on fire. (laughs) Okay, okay, but it's not the same as most roguelites. It's a little different because most roguelites, you can, like, increase your health and level up in a way.
1: I'm going to throw my headphones across the room. It's a real time game, it's not a roguelike it's a run based platformer.
2: <laughs> okay, well, it has elements like that because you have the run based and the only thing that changes between each run, like that you can like add on, is you get a currency where you can buy new items that will appear in the game.
1: Yeah, it's a run based platformer. It's a run yeah. it's like a run based action game. <laughs> not a rogue
2: the actual combat kind of feels a bit um like hollow knight in a way and the art style kind of gives those vibes to some degree a little bit um you can tell it's been inspired by hollow knight i'd say as as as
1: a layman glancing at this game i would think that this is hollow knight
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah fair fair um and yeah that's all i really have to say about it i it is early access i believe
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Uh, and I did come across a point where the game just completely locked up for no reason. Ooh. So I completely had to restart the game, and I lost that run. But beyond that, it was pretty smooth. The combat felt pretty good. Yeah. Cool. And then Wednesday before that, I also did a stream where I checked out uh, a game called to the rescue where it's a dog shelter simulator and it, it's had mixed reviews on steam for a while so i was not really pushing I'm, to play it i'm sorry but it but hasn't really seen uh much updates
1: what game what? is this you you just like the slid rescue. from one game into another game without any kind of transition so what, what yeah, on earth is like... to the rescue
2: <laughs> oh it's a it's a dog shelter simulator okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's had mixed reviews on Steam for a while, and so I like waited to try it out, but then I tried it out and because it didn't look like it was getting updates, and I will say it was alright. I came across my first glitch at like two hours in. Uh, there was like an event you're supposed to be able to do, and I just, the button did not do anything for me. Uh. Like I just couldn't even click it. Um, but beyond that, it seemed to be pretty much like it worked. Um, I'm only going to do that one look at it, but yeah.
1: Um, is, is, is Soup Boy <laughs> talking to you or is that just him in the background? Okay. I'm going to edit that out. Um okay.
0: I, what I was um, going to say is I played the demo for this for um a Next Fest, one of one of the Next Fests, and um it was really stressful.
2: <laughs> yeah. The actual game's a lot better. I played it during the Next Fest and I felt like I didn't have enough time to do anything and it's still that way a little bit in the main game, but it's better. Okay. I, I think it would really benefit by like Being able to hire someone who does, like, the actual care for the dogs while you're running the shelter or something. Or give us more time in the day. Make time tick by slower. Yeah, I just remember the demo.
0: of I was just unable to do everything I was supposed to do. And it just that, uh, it was like the the Stardew Valley effect. Like, there's not enough time in the day. I'm stressed. yeah. By, by the end of the demo, I was, like, my heart was racing.
2: Oh, <laughs> Yeah, so it was alright, but... Nothing, like, amazing, you know? Like, I really, really wish it was better, because the concept's amazing. It, like, looks so good, but... They just... They needed more development time, and it just hasn't been put in. I'm...
1: I'm I, I don't want to be mean, but... To the rescue, to me, just kind of looks cheap and not in a good way. Um, mm, I, I think I it's know. really cute. It it has that look of just looking like emojis to me, and that's not ever going to be a positive art style. But... Um,
2: I bought my mic, sorry. That's ah, so good.
1: Um, so I, I think I'm... So, so once again, that was has, ha, has a Nice Death. Have a Nice Death, the uh, little run-based action game, and uh, To the Rescue, dog management thingy. Um, and I'm going to take over here with um, my, the other new game that I played this week, because I played more than one game this week! It's wild! Uh, I played Soul Ash. Um, man, where do I begin with Soul Ash? Uh, so... Solash is a game that I've been playing on and off for a very long time now. Uh, I want to say, like, since early 2020 was maybe the first time I played it. Uh, it used to be a $15 little ASCII um, roguelike on itch.io. Um, and uh, the developer did a Kickstarter to do a, ma- make a, a, a version for more public consumption on Steam uh, with graphics. And as well as, like, a bit of a UI overhaul and a few other things. Um, That Kickstarter failed, but the the developer working uh, a day job um, has paid for an artist uh, to make a full tile set for the game, and uh, that has now released on Steam at the same price point. Um, So this is good. It's a a good thing for the game, and it is an improvement on the game because, like, graphics help, you know, a wider audience consume a more niche title like Soul Ash... But my problem is is none of my criticisms from back when it was an ASCII game have been addressed. Um, A lot of the mechanics of the game are largely identical to the way it was uh, in its earlier versions on Itch. And I think that that's a shame. Because Solash in practice is a rather frustrating and kind of grindy game with pretty samey environments where with, with a few changes, I think that this game could legitimately be wonderful. Um, my first main issue is it it kind of has um, the leveling problem that any roguelike that launches you with one ability and a relatively slow time to level up suffers from, where uh, uh, the early game is pretty boring because you only have one ability. So this is like your normal bump attack. You walk up next to an enemy. It is a turn-based, top-down, ASCII, styled, in this case sprite-based, uh, roguelike, so you're moving in multiple directions, kiting around, you have your bump attack, so you can bump into an enemy sprite to do damage to them with whatever melee weapon you have equipped, but you also have spells or activated abilities, depending on your class. The game has a whole bunch of different races and classes, including everything from, like, Uh, dwarves and goblins and humans to genies like and demons and weird rock people. You can be basically anything. It's a pretty cool game with a whole bunch of different subclasses for each one that changes how everything plays, and they all have unique stats and attributes, which is really neat. But the problem is, is because it starts you off with one ability, um, you are very limited in the early game, which theoretically is fine because the whole pitch of the game is that you're an elder god that has been reincarnated into the soul of whatever creature you're playing and you are trying to kill god to become an elder god once again instead of being banished to whatever realm you win previously um which is kind of the conceit for the game permadeath death and why you always start with nothing because you're in a new mortal body and your character is just getting progressively more pissed off um but the the issue with this is because you lo- you start with so little the early, the first few levels are really boring, and these can last quite a while. Like uh, I was like level one for about twenty minutes in one run because I I, I couldn't find anything that I could fight. Um, the progression of the game is finding towns and things that you can utterly obliterate um, without. Uh, dying, and then you level up, and then you go obliterate the next town, and if you stay in one place for too long, uh, adventurers will be sent out in air quotes to come kill you. They're really high-level characters. So you can't really hang around a place too long. You have to be constantly moving from town to town. The problem is this game has no built-in escapes. There is no fun way of evading an enemy that you can't fight yet. As an example, I spent 15 minutes running away from a bear, which apparently passed across half of the map uh, following me, um, an example of some ways that other games have ha- inputted escapes to to make uh, running away from high-level enemies fun um, uh, caves of cud has a number of different abilities that allow you to teleport or get out of an area um, it also has a built-in sprint button so regardless of what class and what your stats are you have a sprint button which gives you a huge speed boost for a short number of turns which let you lets you evade most enemies it has quite a long cooldown but like it is a way of evasion that is fun instead of tedious and Annoying. Um, it would be kind of like trying to play Elden Ring without a dodge roll or the horse. Um, it's because of this, it just the early levels become very tedious. Once you get past those early levels, the game gets quite fun and, and engaging. Um, you end up with a lot of abilities, uh, the combat becomes very varied. You have you eventually obtain escapes, but the the game is sorely lacking in an escape. That is my first major criticism of Soulash. And then the second one is. Highlighted by the fact that the most popular mod on the Steam Workshop for the game right now just removes durability on weapons because all weapons have durability and they break really quickly. You get into a melee fight with, especially in the early game. Once you get the, the once you start crafting weapons because there is a crafting system in the game. Once you start crafting the higher tier weapons, they break slower. But the early game weapons, like you 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 pick up a sword from an enemy that you just fought with and their sword's already half broken. You fight with two more enemies and your sword's gone. It's a little silly. Um, so I, I think the combination of the, the weapon durability, especially in the early game, the slowness of the early game and the lack of real escapes in the early game completely ruins the game for me. And I, I really, really hope that either some form of built-in escape is added to the game or alternatively um, modders, because the game is extremely moddable, um, put in some sort of default, like level one ability, like a dash or a sprint or something to make that process of evading enemies in the early game possible in some cases let alone fun right um, because like if if you get caught by a archer or a wizard with some powerful spell in the early game you're just dead there's absolutely nothing you can do and that is not ever going to be a fun gameplay loop especially in a game that requires like two hours of grinding to get the fun spells so i to me that game's a bit of a shame and i i, I it, it's it's such there is a good game in there it's just frustrating that's that's my soul ash rant.
0: It was very randy.
1: Yes, Jess, do you want to talk about uh, Total Warhammer or CK Three? You kind of have those that you put both down in, in like brackets and notes that you didn't play much, but they're there. Or at least Total Warhammer, you didn't play much, but you did. And CK Three.
0: Yeah. So CK Three has a dot 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 because I am playing lots of it. <laughs> ah,
1: I wasn't sure what the dot 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 meant.
0: It meant that. Oh gosh, I'm still playing this game. Dot dot dot. Um yeah, I mean I I tried Total uh Total War Warhammer 3 and was I think okay, I don't know. I think I have to try again. I was in a bad mood that day and it I did not like the tutorial, like the the, the prologue that new players are recommended to go through. I just really dislike that style of tutorial that it was trying to force me through and I just didn't have a very good time with it, and so I decided I will come back to this on another day when I can maybe look at it with some fresh eyes. So that's why I said I don't really have much to say on it, except I didn't like it. (laughs) But I also didn't really try it that hard. But yeah, I've still just been playing a lot of CK3, and actually there was some big CK3 news As far as there's been a big update that came out where they've addressed one of the major complaints with Royal Court, which is the latest DLC, where tribal rulers were unable to experience the Royal Court. And so a lot of people were complaining about this because you didn't unlock the Royal Court until you became feudal, which in the run that I'm playing, I only just became feudal uh like five or six rulers in and of course the the day after i finally achieved it <laughs> this update came out <laughs> so now as a tribal ruler you can actually have a, a real court that plays slightly differently i won't go into it because it probably won't make any sense <laughs> but yeah i've just i've really really been enjoying it i still have liked the the dlc to be fair i got the dlc I didn't have to pay for it i received it in the initial copy that i i um i picked up so i have really 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 been enjoying the culture blending that you can do that comes with royal court it makes the world feel a little bit more interwoven with one another and a lot of the events that have come with the dlc just make things feel a little bit more alive and so i'm have found myself thinking, why did I ever stop playing this game? Probably because I needed to do something different with my time. But now I can't stop playing it again. Send help.
1: This this would be like me just putting dwarf fortress in every single podcast that we do <laughs> at this point. Yeah because like that's the game i can't stop playing. I just i don't even talk about it anymore cuz like what i mean what what what's the point? Unless there's like major news there's there's no real reason for me to just sit here and talk about Dwarf Fortress all the time just like you and CK. But it's it's good to know that you're still enjoying Crusader Kings and they're updating that and you know, little tidbits of information is good to know. Okay, uh, but the but,
0: difference is you you've played Joy Fortress for like a long time. I've been playing this for a few weeks. <laughs> uh, I mean, how many
1: how many hours do you have in Crusader Kings 3? That's not bad. That's about how much I have time in Dwarf Fortress in the last two months.
0: That's how much I've had in the entire release. (laughs) So that's what I'm saying. Fair, fair,
1: fair, fair. It's not so bad. Um, I I think that that's pretty much everything for games, unless there's anything else we want to toss in here at last minute. Nope. Okay. Um, I I think it's time for us to go to another quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about... uh, news, and, well, I mean, there's a lot of it, so, we'll see you after the break. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Halcyon Frequency podcast for, what day is it today? I forgot, the March 13th, 2022, this is the news segment where we're going to be talking about a few things in the news about games and other things that we care about or try to care about um the, this first thing on on the list here is taken by suey it's about final fantasy thingy.
2: <laughs> yep every time i'm in this podcast we got something final fantasy related i'm sorry well it's you and, and i'm her. sorry you and bell and are the final <laughs>
1: fantasy fiends
2: <laughs> i'm more of a final fantasy fiend than anyone else on the team i'm just saying i'm i'm the one who goes harder on it okay so um anyway so in the most recent update which was a few days ago Final Fantasy added uh, Steam verification for Steam based players. So if you bought Final Fantasy 14 on Steam, then you have to go through an extra loop of security just to make sure uh, that, you know, there's more security because there's been a lot of bots and whatnot. So they want to crack down on that to the best ability. It's also going to make it harder for different accounts to be hacked as well because there's been a lot of hacking going on. Um, yeah, that's really nice. Uh, there has been some problems, apparently, with certain Steam users being unable to log in because of it. But nobody in my friend group and almost all of us log in via Steam have had that issue. So Are you
1: saying like you can just log in with your Steam account now instead of their account?
2: No, you still have to log in through theirs. So it connects to your Steam, though. So it verifies that your Steam account is you and it's connected. Oh, this is but like But you why still I'm... have to log in.
1: Okay, yeah, I I understand what you're saying now. Yeah,
2: it's yeah. to stop bots from being able to log into your account.
1: Yeah, and to stop people from smurfing, right? Uh,
2: I don't think it. I don't know if it's for smurfing because you can still make an account like through their launcher. Yeah, but you're still making you multiple just...
1: accounts within the same account, so they know that they're all connected to the same person.
2: Yes, well, there's a separate launcher. You can get the standalone launcher mm-hmm. if you want. Yeah, but for people who are on Steam now, it's going to be that much harder for. So there's a common hack in the game where someone will DM you like, ooh, free in-game money giveaway. And it will link to what looks like the forum and ask you to log in. Mm. But it's not the forum. It's never the forum. Yeah, no, it's never the forum. Don't accept links from people in any game where it asks you to log in. Find it on your own if it asks you to log in or give personal information on literally anything. Anyway... Segue from that. Um, it just makes it more secure. So, Steam people aren't going to have bots taking over or people getting into their account and taking all of their money, in game money and stuff. Cause it's happened. I know people has happened too. So,
1: that's like Roblox level of money being taken away. That's, that, that's awful. Well, it's, it's good to hear that they are addressing these concerns though. Um, The next thing we have on this list is uh, itch.io's bundle for Ukraine. So for those of you um, somehow living under a very large rock, uh, there's a very large conflict going on in the world right now. And currently, as of recording, itch.io has a bundle with six days and eight hours and 52 minutes left, which means by the time it goes up, it'll be about... This goes up, it'll be about four days. Um, So essentially, it's... um, a ridiculously good value bundle uh it's ten dollars for the bundle it's called the bundle for ukraine um and it comes with 573 digital games uh 317 physical or printable games um uh, 51 asset packs for the most of them are like sprite asset packs. Uh, eight soundtracks, uh, or nine soundtracks, eight tools, ten comics, 22 bucks and some miscellaneous things. Um, and it's just a huge bundle. It's a minimum ten dollar minimum donation to charity, and that you just gain access to all of these games. Um, because it's on itch.io, it's all DRM free. Um, this doesn't hook up to your Steam account or anything, so you're not going to like maintain or uh, have uh constant access to, um. These games through your Steam account or anything, but if if it hooks up to your HIO account, so if you have the HIO launcher, which you can get by going to HIO slash app, um there are uh that you can hook all these games in there and download it through a library and a download manager just like steam um and play all the games that way um there's a couple games here that we have noted out noted down that we want to recommend that you try if you uh do pick up this bundle granted like this isn't even going to scratch the surface of how many hidden gems are in here like i'm still noticing games that i didn't realize were in here initially uh every time i scroll down but um one of the uh uh, first games um, that is easily recommended is, so he's noted down, uh, Cook, Serve, Delicious 2, I think.
2: Yeah, so the Cook, Serve, Delicious ha- uh, series has three games. Two is honestly probably my favorite one of them, and it's just a really chaotic, fun kind of arcade game where you cook food, and it's super fun. Then, the next game I have on there, I'll just go through the ones I have, is Super Hexagon, which is another arcade game that's really really hard, and I believe, I'm trying to remember for sure, it was. It's like a survive for a set amount of time, and it gets harder and harder.
1: Absolute and it's a good a soundtrack.
2: It's a really good like three AM game. You know, like you're half awake and you're just trying it. I don't know why. I love it as a 3 a.m. I go the I'm opposite I'm so tired, direction. I feel high type game. I go the opposite mm-hmm.
1: direction. That's like a game that I can only play in the morning when I'm like the most alert. Otherwise, I just get mad at it immediately and also fail horribly.
2: Oh, I feel horribly. I don't think I don't. <laughs> but True. it's just a fun game to play when you're loopy as heck from being tired because you just play it and you're just sitting there laughing at yourself it is it just makes it worse and it's great
1: soundtrack for that game's incredible next game on here is super hot though which is probably worth the price of admission on this whole bundle if i had to say anything
2: oh yeah definitely it's so good super hot's
1: like the best two hour long game you'll ever play it's it's so mm-hmm. short but it's so 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 good
2: i was sad the sequel they made wasn't nearly as good honestly
1: but the run-based thing
2: no uh no there was another thing because
1: there was super hot there was super hot something alt delete and then there or yeah something delete repeat because that that was the run-based one and then there's also super hot vr um, uh
2: i played super hot mind control delete and i was just disappointed like i wanted it to be so much better than it was mm. but well
1: this is the original super hot with the story and everything
2: yeah so. no sorry i just got distracted anyway
1: yeah apologies <laughs>
2: Uh, summer Mara, uh, i think is your yeah next summer mara is such a pretty game um i played it when it was in early access i'm not fully sure it was a little glitchy back then so i don't know about now but it's just a fun little like adventure uh rpg i like to call it a slice of life rpg is that's the best way I've heard the genre described. It's not an official term or anything. I've seen but a you're just... slice
1: of life anime once or twice, so yeah, that checks out.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a slice of life RPG is what I like to call it. You know, you're just going through the life of this girl who lives on an island, and you get to go meet people on other islands, and craft stuff, and farm, and gather materials. It's solid. solid.
1: Uh, the next game that we have here on this little recommendations list is, uh, one from me, which is a very me game. It's called hack with a Q H A Q U E. Uh, it's been out for a little bit. It's on steam. It's on various other platforms as well, but hack is a pixel art roguelike, um, with some really neat conceits to it. Um, the, the, the neat thing about hack is I describe it as kind of a very easy game. Um, especially in the roguelike sphere, it's got a very striking art style, which will either immediately turn you off of it or attract you to it. it has various UI options that make the game a little bit less cluttered, um, but it's it's a very it's a very wordy game. Uh, you can play as a sentient mushroom and have a pet dog, um, and. Uh, I don't want to spoil much to it because it's got a really, it's got a lot of really neat things going on in it. So I won't say too much about it. I'll just say that it's, it's, it's a really neat like starter roguelike. If you've never played a traditional roguelike, um, the next thing we have here on this list is a game that will I will never play. It's called Baba is You. Um, Baba is not me uh, in, in in this situation. I, I, my brain doesn't work that way. But Baba is You is probably one of the best puzzle games to come out in the last decade. Uh, so that's in this bundle. Um, you know,
0: I said I didn't play anything in this game and just like completely overlooked this one because I, I did play this game and it infuriated me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Um, all, I know all my programmer friends really like it and, it and that makes sense to me.
0: I think I pushed it out of my brain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Baba is brain. Baba is not brain anymore. Um, I, who? Moving on. Uh, Glittermitten Grove is a uh, wholesome little uh, colony builder. Uh, where you uh, run a colony of fairies.
0: That sounds lovely. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, There's definitely nothing else in that game. I don't know what I'm alluding to here, but Glittermitten Grove, uh, good game, recommended. (laughs) Um,
0: So I I just have um, hardly played nothing in this entire bundle, but there were a lot of games, there are a lot of games in here that are on my list of things to try. It's things like Kingdoms Two Crowns, Lucifer Within Us, and most and Celeste are all games where I've been like, one day I'll play them, and then here they are in this bundle. And I guess I mean maybe Cook Serve Delicious too. Maybe
1: yeah. it's
2: good. Try it. Also, I just scrolling
1: down, there's there's so many games here that I would that I would play, but I wouldn't normally like jump to play if that makes any sense like there's games in here that i want to try there's a lot of like lo-fi horror games in this bundle as well that i really want to try that look really cool
0: there are a lot of things that i would just not buy for myself and i also wouldn't stream them so so then therefore i wouldn't get them or try them ever (laughs)
1: like democratic socialism simulator
0: yeah, which is definitely hmm. something
1: I'm gonna play on my on on my own time off stream because I don't think that game would translate to streams very well to begin with. Um, no,
2: a little too <laughs> political.
1: Eh, that's not a problem for me. But like, it's it's more of just a the way the game visually represents everything. It's just it's kind of kind kind of like um, cultist simulator in a way where it's just like yeah, this is a really cool game to play, but like it's really hard to like verbally describe why it's cool. Um,
0: I'm actually interested in these. Uh board games like with a question mark because they're not quite board games, but they're kind of board games. There's a lot of stuff to look at. Ooh,
1: I've got another recommendation that I didn't even notice was in here until just now, (laughs) which is uh, Rusty Lake Hotel. Phenomenal little 90-minute long point-and-click game. Very creepy. Lots of blood. What'd you say? Uh, Rusty Lake Hotel is the name of it. But uh, it's it's a three hour to like, it took me about 90 minutes to finish. Um, It's a horror point and click. And the whole conceit is that you are a guest in the Rusty Lake Hotel, and all of the guests are animals. So there's like Mr. Owl, there's Mr. Deer, um, there's everybody's different animals, right? And uh, you are an employee at this hotel, and you have to prepare dinner, and dinner is always one of the guests. That's the, oh. the, the, the conceit to it. So you're preparing dinner by uh, very meticulously murdering these guests and then serving them to the other guests. It's a lovely game. It's, it's very, very, very cool, and by the end of it, you'll be like, Oh my god, what the hell? It's, it's great. It's fun. I enjoyed it. It's more just creepy and not particularly scary, but it's very ominous. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, the Itch.io bundle for Ukraine. Uh, it is a $10 minimum donation and um, your money goes to a, to good causes. And uh, all of the information is listed on the page. I'll, I'll link it in the description of this pod. Um, but yeah, they are, are get itching ever closer to their goal of... Or to their newest goal of $5 million. So hopefully they hit that. Um, the next thing that we have here is... Um, so Amazon Prime. You may have heard of it. They have various features on this service uh is uh apparently in the works with a on a uh, god of war tv series um alongside of the creators and executive producers of uh the expanse tv series um and uh apparently the wheel of time executive producer i never watched that show but um they're they're all working together with sony pictures to make a uh a god of war series Um, what's funny is, um, a certain Dwayne, the rock Johnson has been talking about how he's going to be in a very big video game cinematic thing. Uh, but he hasn't said what yet and no actors have been announced for this. I'm just sitting here thinking like Dwayne, the rock Johnson is Kratos. I could see that. I could see that, but (laughs) I don't, I, I, I feel like Dwayne's probably like bigger fish than God of War, but it's hard to say. All I know is I would probably
2: watch it. I think he's probably bigger fish because, like, I've heard of him and I'm way more familiar with him than I am God of War, actually.
1: God of War. Uh, it's just Daddy Issues the video game with big knives and axes and face <laughs> paint. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so mo- moving on, uh, Jess, do you want to talk a little bit about R- Rimworld being moved removed from Australia's marketplace?
0: Yeah, so on the 4th of March, there was a post that came out on the Steam page, Steam News, saying that RimWorld has been removed from the marketplace for purchase. And this includes the DLC and... Sorry, I'm skimming through the post again. This affects... Only new buyers though. Existing owners aren't affected. So ideology, royalty's fine, but there was an edit that actually came out somewhere I don't know when it came out, but somewhat recently that Steam keys just are not working at all across Australia. So if you buy it from the website, if it's gifted to you, you will not be able to play it. So it's only existing owners who can play in Australia right now. Which is kind of crazy.
1: I don't see it as that crazy. Uh, Australia has always been kind of draconian when it comes to what they allow in the video games. Um, Hotline Miami two famously got banned in Australia, to which point the developers were just like, "No, nah, no, no, steal it." <laughs> um, but um, they, it, it's it, it's it's always weird when this happens because it's like it's kind of like that shock and awe reminder of like Australia is very careful i guess about what they allow to be purchased in video games but the thing is because it's government that puts in these these rulings of what games can and cannot be sold based on what goes through their court system it's only ever the big releases that actually get hit by this and i think it to me this actually says something just about how big RimWorld is the fact that it's big enough now that people who've people can't purchase it in australia now um I mean, a famous example of this was like uh, Left for Dead was also banned in Australia. Left for Dead Two, specifically when it came out, um, but then it was put back on sale in Australia because they put out a version of the game which was just Left for Dead but without any blood. So I don't know if either of you ever played Left 4 Dead, but if you imagine that game without blood, it is very funny because there's like dismemberment going on and like bits of zombies exploding and flying into pieces and there's no blood to be seen. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Australia has always been a little bit weird about this sort of thing. Um, good news is it looks like you can still buy the game from um, the their, their website directly, um, which is the non-Steam version. Uh, yeah,
0: I just think it it cannot be run in Steam.
1: Yeah, because Steam is the big marketplace. So I I don't know. I think maybe this is a re- maybe this is an excuse for uh, Tynan and Team to put the game up on other storefronts, or alternatively, um, just a reminder that hey, you know, DRM free games are good. Like, games should be available DRM free. Uh, but uh, overall, this actually doesn't surprise me all that much. I've had a couple conversations with people in the uh, behind the scenes um, regarding Dwarf Fortress stuff. Um, the reason it doesn't surprise me is RimWorld is, is it fair to say edgy?
0: Well, so the removal isn't about content, right? It's about its classification, as mm-hmm. if it has no classification. <laughs> Refuse classification, mm-hmm. I guess. And not so much about the content.
1: But when when you, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like completely stumped now because it's like. But the but when they say refused classifications, they're talking about refused rating classifications, correct? Or am I completely off base with this?
0: I I think that's what it means. I. I'm looking a little bit closer at it now according to the classification board's website the reason why this version of the game has refused classification in australia the cited reasons the computer game is classified rc in accordance with the national classification code computer games table as a computer game that depicts expresses or otherwise deals with matters of sex drug Misuse or addiction, crime, cruelty, violence, or revolting or abhorrent oh. phenomena in such a way that they offended they offend against the standards of morality, decency, and proprietary, generally accepted by reasonable adults to the extent they should not be classified.
1: Mm-hmm. So they they refuse to accept a rating, basically.
0: Okay, so I was under I was thinking that it meant that Rimmel was just unrated and so they took it down.
1: You can have unrated games, but if you're popular enough, you get noticed as being unrated, and then they want you to have a rating.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Right. So R- RimWorld has hit that point. So I'm I'm not too far off, and in, in, in my uh, not not in a- assumptions the wrong word, but in my reading of this, um, essentially it's like RimWorld is kind of edgy, and it revels in it. And I think games that tend to do that are ones that get noticed by ratings boards like this Uh, just the other example that i had hotline miami that game is very edgy right and it it revels in it right like that game has uh sequences of assault it has incredible amounts of graphic violence and because they they never rated it um they also got removed and it's kind of like similar situation here I, I mean they 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 know like the developers of rimworld know that it would be a hard m possibly higher in certain regions if they got it rated right um because rimworld like i said is kind of edgy you know like a game that lets you uh murder a whole group of people keep them as slaves and then skin half of them and make them into sofas that's pretty in- intense i guess I so mean, i I okay. see this as they had it coming kind of
2: there's some stuff you can do in the sims though that i mean to be fair Rimworld kind of like makes it more out there that you can do it but in the sims like you can kill your sims you can make them do horrible things but I, i think
1: i think the difference there is one the sims is rated it has a rating system right it's rated t i think um and so that's the first thing second thing is that's not the way the game is designed to be played right The Sims, like, yes, you can lock a Sim in there and let them starve to death. You can uh, leave a baby in a bathroom and let them drown in a bathtub. You can uh, lock somebody in a pool and let them drown. There's lots of things that you've traditionally been able to do in the Sims game, but that's not the intended outcome. That's just an outcome, right? It's just like, you you know, in Counter-Strike, you could always let the terrorists win, but that's not the way the game's intended to be played. Um, Whereas RimWorld... Has these things in it, and it revels in them, and it doesn't punish the player for doing so. In fact, in some cases, it encourages the player to do so. So,
0: but at the same time, though, you can still completely play the game without ever delving into some of these things. Oh, absolutely,
1: absolutely. I mean, I I almost never like uh, went into some of the darker themes that the game has, just because they they make me feel ill. Right. I when I when I played the game a whole lot, like I never did any cannibalism stuff, even though Chad always memed about it. And I I think that the I'm not saying that games shouldn't have these mechanics, right? In fact, I'm not actually in favor of the Australian government doing this. I'm just not surprised. In the slightest. And I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner. Um, I think that it's a... Just... State of where the world is, I guess. And the Australian government. Um,
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I... I guess I do find it surprising because I, I, I feel like if you start drawing a line, like how many other games are just just as bad in their own right? You know, like this. Sure, Rimworld has cannibalism and drugs and slavery and whatnot, but then there are plenty of other games that explore the same concepts, and plenty of other games that explore mindless or encourage mindless murder and torture of people, like GTA and rocket launchers well <laughs> Grand, like...
1: Theft, Grand Theft Auto is rated right it's rated M for Mature it, it has that rating on the box
0: yeah but so if if, the... okay so I guess I'm still and also, confused in, it, it, in, really... in,
1: in GTA you can't skin somebody and make them into a sofa
0: I'm, I'm fairly positive that you can do that in another game I'm sure that game exists. Oh, probably. And probably is playable in Australia, and so has it sold like... as
1: many copies as RimWorld? Though has it sold enough copies to be noticed by the Australian government? If anything, like this is a sign of success for RimWorld that they have sold enough copies and have caused enough chaos and uh, discussion that they are being put in this position. At least that's how I see it.
0: I, I suppose, but I-, I guess I'm just. <sighs> have the opinion that if like one game is being called out for this, then so should all, you know, or I
1: yes. Um, I, I very much ag- agree with you there. I think that um, th- there's, if, if you fall down the rabbit hole of like what is, is banned by the Australian government, um, you'll find some really strange things. Like they point fingers at some very odd targets. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird. But to me, it's weird in a way that makes sense. And I, while I agree that just because if, if one game gets called out, they all should get called out, I don't think that we live in a world where they, the government has, the Australian government has enough time to address every single one. Um, but kind of at the same time, it's that's what you get for being so reveled in, in the edginess of, of the game. <laughs>
0: Well, okay, so again, I'm so confused like are they were they trying to get rated and then got denied or i don't
1: I don't think so. I think they just sold enough copies like the way well, this so the way this the, re- oh, go on.
0: there was an the announcement came as uh, hold on. let me read Tynan's post so just the this site that I'm reading says that it's a reveal for an unannounced console version potentially, and here in his post he says uh. Where did this? If, where did if, I, oh if, yes, if, it, it classified a potential console version of Rimworld as received. Sorry, refused classification. So they so it, they classified it as refused classification.
1: They tried. It, so if they're trying to release it on console, like that says, you have to you have to go through cert and you have to go through classification to be released on console. You can refuse classification to be unrated, meaning your product will be unrated, but they still look at it, and they can refuse it at that point and I guess in doing so put themselves on the radar of the Australian government.
0: That's just a, a weird situation to me.
1: <laughs> Video games are weird, yo. <laughs> um, but, like, I I, I don't know. I, I've been kind of rolling my eyes at RimWorld for a bit just because I, I can't stand a lot of the memes that come out of it now. I mean, there there is... Like Let's use another game that you've been playing a lot as an example. A lot of really bad things you can do in Crusader Kings, but the oh, way it's absolutely. presented is very different. It's presented in a historical context, right? It's also presented in a... Like, it's just pictures and text. It's descriptions. It's like a book. Um, I, I can't think of another game that is as intentionally edgy as RimWorld in this particular case I I just can't so except for maybe like CDDA but like CDDA is like a free open source thing so they would never run into this issue I don't know it's a weird topic but um, TLDR if you bought RimWorld if you live in Australia you can't buy RimWorld now unfortunately
0: yeah, well I mean I guess we'll see how it resolves
1: yeah I, I it would be it would be nice to see it go back up for sale and I'm sure they're working on a uh, on a, uh fixing that but we'll uh we'll, we'll report if um if they do um the next thing I have on here is due to the uh due to the conflicts in Ukraine uh stalker 2 has been delayed indefinitely um there's a post on their uh, w- website basically saying that um, you know they're defending their country and a large portion of their, uh, if not the vast majority of their studio, is in Ukraine. And um, so it's now just uh, a bunch of links where you can support directly or send them cryptocurrency to help directly. Um, and uh, the game pre-or- pre-orders are still up for Stalker 2. It's not like they're giving refunds or anything. So the game's still coming out, uh, allegedly. Um, but it is delayed indefinitely, which makes me sad but also hopeful that... When it comes out, it'll be great. One day, one day, one day. One day. Um. So, with all that being said, that's news for this podcast. Uh, we're now moving on to uh, questions. So, if you'd like to submit a question, go into the Halcyon Frequency Discord channel, which you can find through the website, and uh, in, in the uh, podcast questions section of the of, of the Discord, you can submit a question, ask us about. Basically anything uh, within reason, and we will do our best to answer. Uh, Jess, do you want to read this first one from Monkey Wagon?
0: Sure. So Monkey Wagon's question was, since Women's Day was the um, 8th of March, what is your favorite woman protagonist and antagonist? This is kind of open. I don't know if this is targeted at a game or other media.
1: (laughs) I'm assuming game, but that's just because that's where my brain went. But Uh, I have a a very easy answer for these, actually. Um, Sure. Portal is my favorite game. Shell, Um, the character you play as, is a a lady and is your main character. She's a silent protagonist, but she she glares in in a very nice way that I enjoy. And uh, (laughs) GLaDOS. I thought you were going
0: to say GLaDOS, yeah. GLaDOS is the
1: antagonist. Um, who is a, also a voiced character before she was a robot, spoilers, in Portal 2, um, and becomes a potato for a bit and becomes a, more of a, um, a positive, nice character in the second one, um, and has a great character art. So uh, Shell, the player character, and GLaDOS are my choice for those.
0: Okay. I have played Portal, but I didn't, I didn't know that the main character was a woman
1: you have to put a portal in a wall and then put a portal on another wall and look through your portals to see your character model to figure that out.
0: I I played Portal and was like, what is this game? It just broke my brain.
1: Such a
2: good game. Such a good game. I never beat it, actually.
1: (laughs) I beat the first one in one day, the first time I played it, and the second one in one day, the first time I played it.
0: (laughs) I played it on stream because I had some people in my community at the time being like, what? You've never played Portal? And then I was just like, this game is breaking my brain. So yeah, I had no idea that the lead was a woman.
1: You should put one portal in the ceiling and one portal in the floor and then st- look down and you stare at the top of your head as you fall through infinite versions of yourself. <laughs> it's a fun game. <laughs> um, do either of you have favorites or oh. should we move on to the next question?
2: I, I'm I'm not great at favorites, but a character I am thinking of actually is like Laura Croft. I did play uh, Tomb Raider recently. Like, uh the newer ones and it's just like really sick the things she does i know it's like not realistic at all like there's no way she could do some of the stuff she does in the game but it's just really cool to have like a female character that's doing those like really intense i mean uh parkour type stuff you could say the exact same
1: thing about uncharted it's like there's no way in hell that guy is doing like climbing up that and not getting a shot so
2: you know yeah, but it's Lara still Croft's like really great. cool, and you're just you're like, haha, I feel invincible" when you play as her until you die like 50 times. But you know, Do you ever play like oh, yeah.
1: top-down Lara Croft games that are actually no? Just called Lara I've Croft? only
2: played, I've only played like the uh, tomb, the the more recent Tomb Raider ones. Oh, those,
1: those are fun. They're little co-op top-down games. Jess,
2: hmm, I was I was gonna say like I I see where you're coming
0: from with Lara Croft and, um. She's not on my list because, okay, so if you actually think about, like, what she's doing, she's going into, like, these environments and just, like, obliterating the natural (laughs) ecosystem.
1: Yeah. Yeah? You're not (laughs) wrong, actually. It belongs in a museum in my country, not yours. What?
2: Yeah. I shall destroy everything. I enjoy it more for, you know, how cool all the, like, parkour and... You know, because usually male characters are the ones doing that.
1: So the, the 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 last Laura game with Laura Croft that I played was uh, uh, the 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 second Tomb Raider game, the original second one when she was still made of triangles. Mm-hmm. And um, that game had robotic dinosaurs in it. Um, so in my in my mind, it's much more of like a fantasy, crazy, over the top franchise. I know they got a little bit more grounded with the remakes, but like um, with those original games, like it was very video gamey and silly so i i imagine lara croft is like almost more like a uh, like a super mario type character because a lot of the things that you were fighting in those games was like larger than life and you know like yes there was spike pits with piranhas in them but also there was robot dinosaurs so
0: yeah that's that's kind of where i am too i used to watch my mom play a lot of tomb raider and get nightmares over it <laughs>
1: yeah that makes sense <laughs>
0: <laughs> it gave me nightmares uh so okay i'm also really awful with what's your favorite questions because as soon as you ask me this i, I just blink so i actually went and looked up lists <laughs> yes i googled lists of female characters in video games and in anime and in disney movies to try and come up with an answer for <laughs> this and, okay, so what I basically learned from my research is that I have not played a lot of games with strong female characters, basically. That is that is what I figured out. So I did find in my digging, when trying to recognize any character, I guess I don't play a lot of RPGs, um, Morrigan from Dragon Age Origins, I guess she's just in Dragon Age, was a character that I actually really liked back when I played it it's been so long since I've played Dragon Age so I can't speak to her too much but I remember liking her a lot um but okay I'm gonna say anime we're talking about anime I think I think my favorite character in anime there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot of female characters I think I identify more in anime with more in anime but I think my favorite's probably Urza Scarlet from Fairy Tail. And this is because when I was when I was a kid I was such a tomboy and I just wanted to do everything all the boys did and stuff and so like we were talking about I would um we did, well I guess it's not on the podcast but I, we would like play um with fake weapons in in the streets and stuff in the neighborhood and I was just always Really, really into this idea of like women being strong and like just as capable as men. And so, Urza Scarlet in Fairy Tale is a. um, Are they. Wait, they're wizards. No. It's been a long time since I watched it.
1: I haven't watched Fairy Tale in like a decade, so I'm not going to be much help here.
0: (laughs) I'm trying to remember what the. Whatever it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> so her type of magic is like just being able to summon swords and armor, and basically she just fights as a weapon specialist. And also she just like doesn't have a favorite, which is awesome. She just in battle can summon different weapons and different armor, and is really really renowned as being like one of the strongest mages in the world and so i think she's really cool i actually like named an eso character after her back in the day
2: <laughs> okay you talking about anime reminded me of uh, a show i really really loved that's actually about two female protagonists it's carol and tuesday uh and i don't know it's just like I watched it out of high school, but when I was in high school, I was just huge on music and stuff. So the entire time I was just like, dude, this is like what the dream high school me would have been, you know? And so it was just like a real looking at them in awe type thing, you know? Because I wanted to be someone who made a difference through music. Like in high school, that was my dream. Who is this? Carol on Tuesday, it's an anime about these two girls that meet each other and go on to form a two-person band and get really popular and all that. Mm, okay, I see. It's real wholesome and really, really good. <laughs> haven't seen it.
1: I think I've heard the name before, but I certainly haven't seen it.
2: I, I think I've seen it on Netflix or something. Okay, for some weird reason, I feel like Blind would secretly like it, but then he'd just talk about how horrible it is in front of people.
1: What? <laughs> yeah. I just... Are we talking about anime now? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. I don't yeah. hate anime. Like, I I have nothing against anime. What I have against... But what I do have against anime is my ex-girlfriend, who I lived with for nine years, watched a ton of anime. So, but because of that, I've seen a lot of anime. I've got nothing against anime, but anime reminds me of my ex. And that was a bad breakup, and I'm still not over it. So, I just don't. It's I, I, I don't have anything against anime, and there's plenty of animes I've enjoyed. I mean, my favorite anime is probably... Or... Um, <laughs> But closely followed by Bacano, which is in the same universe, which is a also a fantastic anime. Uh, I really like Dragon Ball, I Full Metal Alchemist. All, like I, I love a lot of anime, but it's just, I, I just don't. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't have anything bad to say about anime. I just, I just don't.
0: There are some pretty good female characters in Full Metal Alchemist too.
1: Yeah, uh, Full Metal Alchemist is a fantastic show. Just that, that whole show, the whole cat, like that's that's like that's like media classic. Like that's almost like mandatory viewing. It's like if you end up with children for some reason, that is a show that you show to your children. Okay.
2: When old enough. Okay, but like the whole dog scene still gets. Well, oh yeah, me. you know you
1: you wait until they're like twelve. You don't show. It, it to still them gets at five. me.
2: I watch it as an adult, and it still gets me. I watched it like two years ago and it still gets me. Okay, so I actually, I
0: got a shirt at a convention that is, um, I don't really want to spoil this for anybody. Okay, but basically, it's the two characters involved in the scene. No. And it's them over a a transmutation circle doing the fusion dance from Dragon Ball.
2: (laughs)
1: Oh no, it's no, just, no. It's like the I worst it. shirt. It's the
0: worst shirt and it's like, oh my gosh. Somebody did drew this. Anime <laughs> I did get that at an anime convention. <laughs> I've
1: been to too many anime conventions in my life.
0: <laughs> Me too.
2: <laughs> I haven't been to any
0: Don't. actually.
1: It's terrible. <laughs> it's like video game conventions but people shower less somehow. Um Oh. <laughs> But, um, oh,
2: I don't want to. I don't even want to imagine that smell. Ooh, it's
1: gnarly. It's gnarly. Um, nah, I, I don't know. I, I I got nothing against anime. Anime's fine. It's just not something I go out of my way to watch these days. So if I were to watch oh. an anime that I enjoyed, I probably wouldn't just have bad things to say about it. But I mean, I have bad things to say about everything that I like. You know.
0: I have I have some characters that like I, I really really love, but they're all. I guess, I guess they're all male, and so I actually was scratching my head over this earlier, like, wow, okay. <laughs>
1: I've, I've got a favorite female character from a TV show, Drummer, from uh, The Expanse. Yeah, she's great.
0: Were you the person I was talking to about this, about Drummer? Did we, did we have a conversation about this?
1: Probably. I've had many conversations about Drummer. She's wonderful.
0: Was this like the last time we recorded the podcast and we talked about this? <laughs> I
1: think FFG was talking about the expanse. I can't remember if that made it onto the pod or not. That might have actually been pre preamble, but why?
0: Cuz I just, it just like cause, cause it struck some up. deja vu in me and I was like, <laughs> "Wait, who was I talking to about this?" <laughs> yeah,
1: no that that checks out. Dr- Drummer is just a fantastic character. Just she messes people up. She's great. Her and her polygamy family in the spaceship. They're great. Um, Next question we have here from Faulted Thrower is, if you were making a game, what genre would it be? Also, what would you do differently and or add to make your game stand out in that genre?
2: Um, Well, I don't know what I would do to make it stand out, but I... I would just do a slice of life RPG. Let's be real. here something real cute with magic in it. Yeah. So I'm sort of like. You'd make core keeper. Ooh, no, no, no. (laughs) You know what I would make? I would make like, uh, my time at Porsche, but magic based.
1: Sim like similar 3d kind of look to it or.
2: Uh, I don't know if I do 3d Hmm. maybe, but it'd be like more cutesy than that. And it, would be less doll-like, I think, because I don't really... I'm not too huge on how doll-like uh, my time at Porsche is. It's my only complaint about the game. Uh, I can get over it, but that's honestly the only complaint I have about it. Also, with some pacing at the end of the game, but yeah.
1: Jess, do you have an answer for this one, or should I go next?
2: Uh, I'll go next. So
0: I thought about this one, too, and this one is also really hard for <laughs> all these questions. They're always so hard. Uh, this is hard for me to answer because I've actually thought about this extensively. Because I have bounced game ideas off the wall with Celentre before, and we've discussed like if we were to make a board game, what kind of board game would we make? If we were to make a video game, what kind of game would we make? And I know he has. Experimented with building a game before in um, Game Maker, and then I think he's also tried Unity, where he's tried making games. And like to the to this day, I still don't know, but some core concepts that I think a game that I would design would include would be probably a co-op. Scenario Because there are so many games and like strategy games that are good, but they don't really play as a cooperative experience. And so this is when we were trying to um, design a board game, we were really inspired by this a board game called Spirit Island, which is a very difficult strategy board game and it's fully co-op against the board. And it's done really well insofar that there are so many different characters you can play as because they're all so different, like very asymmetrical character types. And so I just really like how you have to have such a thorough understanding of your character and like your partner's character and then be able to put it together and use a unique strategy every game in, in order to beat the board. And so it would probably be something like that. I don't know what I would do differently to make it stand out because I, I don't even have my game design.
1: I would say just <laughs> making it would probably be different and standing out because that's not a super common genre, I think. Um, but this this one is tough for me. I think like a lot of people would just like default blind to roguelike, which wouldn't be wrong, but I've had this image in my head of a game well actually there's two types of things that i wanted to make but i'll I'll talk about the 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 one that i've talked about publicly before which is i've dreamed of this randomly generated turn-based roguelike um like kind of in the more traditional style but like with nice sprite work like i look at the sprite work of inmost and i think something like that but like a little bit more color Um, like nice, nice animations, but like uh, either, either hex based or tile based. And what I'd want it to do is it would generate a, like the, the, the level that it gives you would be a, um, a castle, right? So it's a castle, a full size castle. And you pick a class and your class is going to be one member of the castle's court. So you, I'm, in my mind, you start as the jester. Like that would be like the first class that the game gives you. And then as you do subsequent runs, you'd unlock new classes. That's the only kind of progression I'd want. Um, you could, uh, with, with an option, of course, to go into the options menu and just unlock everything with a button press if you don't want to have it drip-fed to you. Um, because I, I, I don't mind when, when roguelikes have a little bit of like unlocking progression as long as they give you an option to skip it if you want to. Um, and the idea is to assassinate the king. So you have to move about in mostly non-combat fashions in this clockwork world that is generated by the game to find the king and see where they're vulnerable to assassinate the king successfully without being caught. Um, This would require uh, playing the game multiple times to uh, fail and get caught um, learning how the different AIs work within the different generated levels, um, learning different parts of the castle, becoming familiar, even though the layouts would change every time. Becoming familiar with the different kind of tile sets that you'll get for different portions of the castle. Learn what, learning what's in the castle. Talking with characters in the castle. Um, the game would be largely non-combat with a um, you know a, a sequence or a, a various uh, ways every time to assassinate the king and the quicker and more efficiently you can do it and the quieter, the higher your score. That's kind of a a game that I've had in my mind for a while that I think would be really interesting. If done well also could be terrible, probably would be terrible if I made it frankly, but, um,
0: I think that sounds kind of cool though.
1: That's, that's an idea for a game I've had for a really long time.
0: You actually, so you, you mentioned something about dreaming about a game and lately I've been designing games in my sleep and then I wake up and I can't remember what my ideas were. Oh, that's
1: so frustrating.
0: <laughs> I, like I've been, I've been playing games and designing games in my sleep and like things I've, I haven't actually touched. Like I have these like whole fleshed out ideas for like colonies or like, eh, like colony sims and stuff. And then I wake up and I'm like, what was that? I was really enjoying playing that in my dream. They <laughs> only, me, right? Like, I guess I should keep a dream journal.
1: Um, and just to, to address the second half of the, this question, and what, 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 I, what would I do differently to make it stand out from the genre? If it's a turn-based roguelike, just have a nice art style. Um, because frankly, there's like maybe only a small handful of games that I can think of um, that have striking visuals to them that are also roguelikes. Um, so it's a large part as to why the, the games largely go overlooked is because they're often a little bit on the bland side. Um, so just a striking art style, maybe voice acting in places. That would be what I would want to do. Basically throw money at a thing that I would be destined to fail. But uh, Jess, do you want to read this last question from Vaulted Thrower?
0: Mm, or... Sure. Um, what is your favorite non-video game? Either a tabletop RPG or a board game, etc. Or a sport or something else? Mm.
1: I have an answer for this. Okay. <laughs> I like uh, ARGs, AR- ARGs. Um, I'm terrible at them and I never play them. But whenever I hear about an ARG happening, I love reading about them. Um, just a, a recent one that was very fun was Frog Fractions 2, which was a Kickstarter, uh, an ARG that went along with a Kickstarter. Um, I didn't take part in it at all, but I loved reading about it. Um, there are AR- ARGs happening all the time all over the world. And uh, they're they're basically just like internet... Games that people put together um, on either in the in the uh, clues in various quiet websites that require passwords to get into right down to packages being left in the real world to uh, pictures of graffiti on the side of walls, places you have to hike to to find a geocache, like all kinds of weird digital slash real world uh, swapping. Um, And I, I, I love reading about those games.
0: This, this one is a little bit complicated for me because.
1: Do do you like tabletop or something? (laughs)
0: Uh, It's a, it's another favorite question. And so it really comes down to mood and situation. But like, if I, if I. Just say chess,
1: make it easy. (laughs) Chess, done. no I, okay. I mean, <laughs> no, I hate
0: chess. I mean, no, I don't chess. hate chess. It's just one of those things where I just like want to flip the board all the time. I like
1: I like chess only if I'm playing against my dad. If I have to play chess against anybody else, I hate it. I love like playing chess <laughs> against
0: my dad, though. Um, I I have a few answers for this. So first off, I really enjoy board games. I don't play them very often because I like to do it with a group, and um, I haven't really had a group to play with because <laughs> pandemic. Um, we have a lot of two player board games, but I like have this issue of getting really bored and like being a horrible board game player, so I just don't do it and I should probably try to play more games. Anyway, one that I really like is called Azul and Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I can't describe it at all, but it's super spatial. It is a really really spatial game where you're like trying to uh, I don't know. <sighs> look it up I, i'm looking it up it's like i'm trying well, i mean I can like the see audience it in my can brain it up, but... and i can see it in my brain and i'm trying to explain it and i can't explain it in the slightest
1: <laughs> that's that's a lot of tabletop games though i think
0: yeah oh i've played this <laughs> yeah it's it's so spatial i just i love games like this but that are very abstract and spatial and so there are a few games in this category for me there's also one that's really really easy to pick up it's called king domino if you've ever played it, it's I've seen like that perfect. It's a perfect family game. It's 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 really really nice. I I love spatial abstract games. Another one that I like a lot, or another type of game I like a lot is a cooperative detective game. Mm. Oh, I have another type of game too. You see, I could just go on and on. Um, one that I've played that I've never finished, but I enjoyed a lot, is called the Wilson Wolf Affair. It was a Kickstarter game that Cylentri got, but basically you are a, I think you're playing that as, I'm, I'm reading. <laughs> you're playing it as a, I forget who you are as the, as the main character, but basically you're coming across all these documents and you're trying to uncover what they mean. And it's, you're trying to unravel this mystery about a cult I think you're working as a newspaper editor or something and you're just finding resources and you have to solve this greater mystery. And so they just sent us a box that's just tons of stuff and it's all branded around like this 1930 aesthetic and none of it goes together in any obvious way. And you just have to like sit there and puzzle it all together and we've never finished it. But there's another one that's similar called Wish You Were Here. Um that one is another kickstarter that he had. It's much smaller, but you're basically trying to solve a story out of like note cards or um postcards. Like the the hidden mystery in that. So I kind of like those things too. <laughs> I can just keep going and going. There was another one um, I wanted to mention.
2: Oh. But I forget what it is. <laughs> oh, uh I want to mention code names. Well, code names is great. God names yeah. is a classic. That's one I've heard of. Yeah, um, it's really fun. It's where uh, there's like a board of words, and then uh, it's a four-player game at, and you have, uh, so you have a spy master. I was just looking up the directions because I couldn't remember. I just remembered loving it. Um, so I looked it up while you guys were talking, and basically, yes, I wasn't paying attention. Shh, it's fine. Um, anyway. <laughs> You have a spymaster who knows what, uh, what tiles are, are, like, what words are yours, and then what words are the other team, and they're trying to get you to pick words that are yours, but they can only say one word, and it can't be any of the words on the board. And so they go back and forth, and you try to guess. Yeah, so if you had
0: a number of cards and they all had animals in common, like, Cat, dog, mouse, you would say animal three. And then your team would have to, like, out of the 25 cards that are on the table, your team would have to pick them and, like, say this, this, and this. And then there's a certain number of times they can get it wrong. And also, you're trying to find all of your cards before the other team does. It's a very good party game. It gets kind of crazy, like... yeah that that one i've played a a ton actually
2: yeah that's one that uh has a lot of replayability one of my big problems with like card games and board games and stuff is once you've put once you've played it like i don't know five times at that point you're done you know like yeah you know all of the little tricks you know how to cheese it you know what all the cards look like and at that point it's just like eh, whatever I just thought of another fantastic
0: board game. It's called Seventh Continent. (laughs) Seventh Continent. That one is really hard to get your hands on. Quite expensive, but Celentre got it (laughs) in a Kickstarter. Um, Yes, I do have a massive IKEA shelf stuffed with board games. (laughs) I do. That one is great. It's got that mystery aspect, and it's basically like an open-world game sort of in a board game style and you have you have different missions that you can play and so like the cards that are in your um cards that are in your deck change based on which scenario you're playing and you have to explore the world you come across interactions it's it feels like it is an rpg and you're playing together and you get items and you have to use your items but they have limited durability and, you, and then there's like the world is trying to kill you basically you're you're like Biologists or archaeologists who have found the seventh continent. Either like you wake up from a dream and you're in the seventh continent, or you get lost on your boat and you can actually die. And you have to. I don't know. It's just a really, 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 really cool game. I will. I kind of want to play that
1: now. (laughs) This segment has made me realize just how few board games I've played. It's like I've played a, a number. I feel I feel like a number of board games, but also like I just don't have friends to play games with. So. I just don't <laughs> um I mean but.
2: uh a lot of cities something I've never gone to, but I know a lot of cities, their uh whatever their parks and rec or whatever they happen to have is, ha- often has events and stuff that you can find. And I I've seen board game groups on like every single one I've looked at. Totally. So, like, even my local, where I live right now, has a board game group that meets, like, once a month and just plays board games together.
1: Totally. Yeah, no, those those exist.
0: I looked up a description for this game because I think I did a really bad job. (laughs) It's a solo or cooperative choose your own adventure exploration board game inspired by the Fighting Fantasy book series.
1: Oh, I used to own a bunch of fighting fantasy games. Or books, rather.
0: It's just it's a really cool game.
1: Yeah, no, I there, there's a lot of really cool innovations and stuff going on in the uh in, in in the board game space. It's it's been like that for a while and it's it's always nice to see people uh enjoying themselves with those. But um I think that brings us to the end of questions unless there's one I've missed here. Um so, I guess it's time for us to wind this podcast down into a closing.
0: Yes, please. Otherwise, I'll continue talking. All right, so before Jess games. talks about board games for
1: the rest, of, maybe leave us a comment saying if you want an episode only about board games and then Blind just won't be on that episode. Thumbs
0: and up. I'll read the rules and stuff so I can talk about them better.
1: It'll be, it'll be great. Um, But uh, thank you for coming to our obligatory anime discussion and board game talk. Um, uh, Until next time, you you can find us at halcyonfrequency.com. If you want to get more episodes of this show, you can get them there at halcyonfrequency.com or on a podcast platform of your choice. Uh, If we're not on a platform that you like to use, let us know which one you like to use, and we will make sure the podcast appears there. At least I will do my best to make sure of that. Um, If uh, you want to really help us out, you can go over to iTunes and jump through a billion hoops and then leave us a review. Uh, that genuinely does help the show and helps us get charted and rated and trend. Uh, there's a lot of competition in the podcast space. Not as much as like streaming or anything, but there is a lot of competition. So um, help us maintain our spot as the uh, number 12 podcast in Honduras and uh, move up the leaderboards in like the UK and other places. Like last I checked, we were 270th something in the UK. So um, help us out there. Uh, Sui, can you tell us where to find your stuff?
2: Yeah, um, I am over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash sui. I recently lowered from four days of streaming a week to three so I can manage my school schedule better. Um, but I stream on Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday evenings, U.S. time. Uh, sometimes I go late enough that, you know, if you're in the EU, you can see me in the morning. Um... And yeah, I play a lot of uh RPG games specifically, like as I was mentioning before, a slice of life type genre, and then I do management sims and a little bit of indie everything too. So yeah. I'm also over on YouTube, it's just Suey, and on Twitter at Suey Streams.
1: Jess.
0: Uh yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash underscore Jess. I play a lot of strategy simulation and management recently, a lot of Crusader Kings. <laughs> I stream four days a week, Mondays through, um, I almost said Fridays, Mondays through Thursdays, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mountain Time, which is U.S. Daytime. You can also find me on Twitter with the underscore. You can find me on YouTube without the underscore. <laughs> and in other places too, but those are my three main platforms.
1: <laughs> and I'm blind, and you can find me at twitch.tv slash I stream too much, uh, way too long hours, five days a week. Uh, I take Mondays and Fridays off. Fridays to edit this podcast, and uh, Mondays to sleep hopefully Uh, so that's where you can find me once again you can find more episodes of this podcast over at uh, halcyonfrequency.com and if you join the discord you can discuss the podcast and uh, ask us questions so thank you very much for listening to this episode we will return next week on Sunday of course as per usual episodes so now is when we all say goodbye and harmonize hopefully so
2: goodbye goodbye (laughs) (laughs) goodbye